Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. You know, life can get very busy and crazy, right? And it's easy to find ourselves being so busy, we say, I don't have time to pray. And I don't know that I agree completely with that. But if we do find ourselves feeling that way, at the very least, we can make a daily, hourly practice of just stopping for a moment, saying, thank you, God, for everything. Thank you. Thank you. It can do make a world of difference in changing our perspective. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm so glad that in Eric's book, Spiritual Economics, the, Pros the Prosperity Process, that he writes specifically about the importance of gratitude and this idea of bringing a grateful heart to work. Think about that for a moment. Imagine yourself, your job, whether you're working remotely or you're going to be going into the office or the classroom or the hospital or the clinic or wherever you may go to do your work, even if it's work under the banner of retirement, what is it like if we go there and bring with us a grateful heart and a new attitude. So much of our life is determined by the attitude that we bring to it. Our relationships are influenced by gratitude and our attitude, our work, the way we approach opportunities, the way we approach challenges. It's so easy and I think normal or common to Consider that gratitude is a reaction, a reaction, a reactive emotion we feel. Someone does something for us, and we are thankful, and we feel a sense of gratitude. And yes, there is the reactionary aspect of gratitude. But we must realize that, it, that gratitude is not just a reactive emotion. It is causative. Gratitude is causative. Think about that for a moment. It's causative. It's a power. This is a powerful distinction. It's we don't we don't express gratitude for as a religious obligation. I mean, gratitude's not a religious thing that we do to please a distant God. Gratitude impacts the one who practices it, and not just when we are on the receiving end of something um, pleasurable or positive or good in our lives, but when we actively cultivate it as a practice, knowing that it is causative. In metaphysics, we understand the power of consciousness. We understand the power of our words, the power of our intention, that what we hold in mind over time we bring about. And so if we are holding in mind a, a consciousness of lack or complaining or making excuses or negativity, even if it seems that those things may be justified given the circumstances, those attitudes, those emotions are causative. And we're going to find that not only are they causative, they're attractive, meaning they will attract to them more of the same. And so when we really get that gratitude is a causative emotion, we begin to realize how important it is that we cultivate it. And the interesting thing is, and we may not have grown up being taught this, we don't actually have to have something to be grateful for in order to practice gratitude. Think about that for a moment. 
we don't actually have to have something to be grateful for in order to practice gratitude. If I were to say to you right now, close your eyes for a moment, turn your attention within, and bring into your awareness the experience, the feeling of gratitude, you could, you could get there in an instant. You can cultivate and by volition experience the feeling of gratitude even when nothing around you has changed in that moment. It is a causative energy, and it is something that we can put into motion at will, deliberately. The Apostle Paul gave very clear instructions. He said that we were to give thanks in all things. In all things. And that might seem like a really big and tough order, but in part, we might think that's a really big, tough order because we don't get the distinction of what he really said. He didn't say, give thanks for all things. There are some things that, it's, that we're not going to give thanks for. But just because we may not give thanks for that thing does not mean that we cannot bring into that experience, our experience of that, the experience and the feeling of gratitude. And by the very practice of that, by the very energizing our beingness to vibrate at the level of gratitude, we're going to begin to shift the circumstances around us. So despite appearances, the need is for us to get ourselves re-centered, to get ourselves re-centered in the ever-present flow of substance to get ourselves re-centered in the awareness of the ever-present flow of substance. Right where you are is all of God. There is no place that you can go to where there is more of God than, than what you have right where you are. Whether you're sitting in a palatial home or you're sitting on a park bench, there's no place where there is more God. And what that means is there's no place where there is a lack of possibility of infinite creativity, of, of divine substance. But if our minds are operating at the level of, of there's not enough, or I always seem to be on the bad end of things, we are going to repel. We are going to repel the flow of creativity and the flow of ideas, the very creativity and ideas that can lift us up and out of whatever limiting experiences and circumstances we might truly find ourselves in right now. It's not denying where we are, but it is always seeing where we are from the higher point of view. In the book, Eric writes about a couple who had, were visiting New York for the very first time. Eric's ministry was in New York City. And they were visiting New York for the very first time, and they had heard all these horrible things about New York. And I'm a little sensitive about that. I'm, I was born in New York. I was born in Queens. But anyway, this couple had heard all these horrible things about New York. But they were shocked because they had the experience of, of going up to a restaurant, a very, very high uh, top floor of a skyscraper. And they looked out upon the city. And looking out from that point of view, they were taken in by the majesty and the beauty of the city. And Eric uses that simple little story to remind us of the importance of lifting our vision 
above the appearances. If the appearances are unpleasant, if the appearances are, are, are painful, if the appearances are not what we really want to have remain in our lives, we need to take note of what they are. But we can't remain at that level. We have to lift our consciousness above that. It's a powerful insight to live by. 2,500 years ago, that's a long time ago, 2,500 years ago, Plato said, a grateful mind is a great mind which eventually attracts to itself great things. A grateful mind is a great mind which eventually attracts to itself great things. You see, the truth is a person has so much because he is grateful. He's not grateful because he has so much. He has it. She has it because it comes from the cultivated experience of gratitude. And I don't care where you may be. Well, I do care where you may be in your life. But the point I'm trying to make is it doesn't matter where you are in your life right now on the spectrum of enoughness. What does matter is how are you approaching where you are right now? And can you bring into your work? Can you bring into your life experience? Can you bring into looking for a job an attitude of gratitude? Can you change the way that you look at it? And I know you can, but it's a choice that we make. Eric suggests that many of us make a subtle mistake when we practice gratitude. He says, we mistakenly start with a perspective of inadequacy or insufficiency. Instead of counting our blessings, we count our envies, he says. And then he goes on to write, to pray for prosperity out of a sense of complaint or discouragement is to effectively compound the problem. You may pray for improved financial conditions, but if you are feeling poor, your feeling is a consciousness you're going to be projecting. So begin not with subtle resistance for what you do not have, but with what you do have, no matter how inadequate it may be. A job, no matter how inadequate. Some money, even if you are down to the proverbial last penny. Both are evidence, he writes, of the activity of spirit manifesting at least in part. So you give thanks not for these things, but from the awareness that there is always, from the awareness that there is always an all-sufficiency, even within the insufficiency. Get the view from the top. In some ways, I remember as if it was just yesterday when I first began the Unity Center and was paying for our hotel room at the Torrey Pines Inn out of my own pocket and paying for the reams of paper that we would use. To, could, a ream of paper could last a long time, printing bulletins for only 25 people, but buying a ream of paper and... Um, I can remember writing checks for each of those things. And I was so glad that I had remembered a, a, a practice, I believe it was Catherine Ponder, um, prosperity writer and unity minister, who suggested long ago, write your checks out with the words, it's a privilege or it's a joy to pay to the order up. And I can remember writing those words on my checks as I was paying whatever bill I had to pay for the church or for myself. 
It's a pleasure to pay to the order of. Now, sometimes it was easier to do that than others. But the practice put me in a place of remembering that I was in the flow of something because I was writing that check out having received something in exchange, a something that I knew I needed or that the church needed. It's all in the way we choose to look at things. That is such a powerful and important principle to get right, and not just to get it right up here, but to live from it. It's what our lesson was about last week, that it's not about setting things right, it's about seeing things right. And the example of Jesus feeding the multitudes, the 5,000, we're told, who came to, to listen to him teach. They were becoming hungry, and the disciples wanted to send them away. And Jesus said, well, what, basically, what do we have to feed them? And a young boy stepped forward with a few loaves and small fish. And the story goes that he took those, and he looked upward. He blessed them, he broke them, and he shared them. We can look at that in so many different ways. It's so rich with spiritual teaching and with insight and the very things we can practice. We can say that when Jesus was looking up heavenward to God, we could say he was looking to source. I believe he was. We could also say, and this is a very powerful distinction, that he was choosing to look away from the meagerness of what was physically presented to him, to look away from that and to look into the possibility. And yet, and this is so important, he didn't take what he had and hoard it. He gave thanks and broke it and put it into circulation. I think it was Rockefeller who said, it isn't what you do with a dollar and a quarter you've got. No, it isn't what you do with a million dollars, it's what you do with a dollar and a quarter you've got. In other words, it's, it's, it's how we use and how we think about what we already have. How are you thinking about the work that you do? How are you thinking about the pay that you get? Can you bless it even if you want it to be something else? It is in these practices that we change ourselves. And when we change ourselves, the energy and consciousness which, from which we live our lives, things around us begin to change, and they begin to change for the better. So right now is a perfect time for us. If we've been hearing ourselves making excuses and being negative and being ungrateful, now is the time to stop that, to put ourselves on a diet. No more complaining. No more making excuses. Getting the higher view. Challenging ourselves to look at what we do have, what is possible from the highest point of view and to practice in the journey of that, cultivating the attitude of gratitude, looking away from what seems to be missing and holding on to the vision of what is possible and then moving our feet in whatever direction the divine ideas point us to. Again, as I said earlier, this practice does not require that we have something to be thankful for. We can be thankful just as a practice. And as we feel grateful, we become attractive, an attractive energy. I mean, isn't it true? Wouldn't you rather be around people that are upbeat and optimistic and grateful and appreciative than those whose energy and mind is down in the dumps all of the time? That can wear on a person. That can wear on a person. 
Eric writes about the importance of how we look at our work. And in my lesson at the, I think it was the beginning of the month, I was talking about a new attitude about work over Labor Day weekend. Work should not be to us a four-letter word. It should be something that we are excited by. And if we're not, then we need to be at work figuring out why. And maybe it is because we're not in our right place. That doesn't give us an excuse to stop practicing bringing a good attitude no matter what the circumstances are. It does not excuse us from bringing a grateful heart into whatever we do. Because when we do, we either find that the circumstances around us do in fact change and we go, oh, now I can enjoy this better. Or we will have earned the right to be somewhere else. There was a part in this, these couple of chapters that really spoke to me um, that Eric wrote about, and I want to share some of it with you. He asks a simple question, but, but it's a startling question in a way. Why do you work? Now, probably the top of mind answer that most of us give is to pay our bills. And there's certainly, we have bills to pay. There's no question about that if we are responsible adults. But he challenges us to go deeper, and that's what spiritual practice always does. Why do you work? He says, what are you getting out of your work? And here's the clincher. He says, if you respond purely in terms of money, benefits, and perks, you are inadequately compensated. I found that to be powerful. If you respond purely in terms of money, benefits, and perks, you are inadequately compensated. And he goes on to say, not necessarily by your employer, but by yourself. You are short-changing yourself. Because you see, our work needs to be something more than just the vehicle through which we pay our bills. It needs to be something that allows us to grow, that allows us to cultivate our unique gifts and talents. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to like every single aspect of the job that we do, but we can still bring a good attitude to it even if we don't like every single part of the, the job equally. But overall, it's got to be a place in which we get to bring the uniqueness of ourselves front and forward, where we get to be blessed and to be a blessing. And if it is not that for us now, then we need to get busy first not changing it out here, but understanding in here what is going on. Is it that we have looked at showing up at work just doing enough to get by because we really don't like the people we're working with or we don't like the circumstances or we don't like the work itself and we think, okay, when I finally land that better job or when I finally am in a better set of circumstances, then I'll really give it my all. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. It is we who are shortchanging ourselves if we live under that practice. Eric writes, you only cheat yourself by doing as little as you can get by with because there is a spiritual law involved, he reminds us, a spiritual law involved. The person may think he can get away with slipshod work, and he may well get away with it, but he can never get away from it. That is powerful. May well get away with it 
but will never be able to get away from it. So I want to invite you to look at how can you dial up your experience and feeling of gratitude as you go to work tomorrow or later today or whatever that looks like for you. Or if your work now, because you're retired, is largely in the field of volunteering, how can you ramp that attitude of gratitude up even more? How can you walk into that office or into that store or answer that phone as if it was the most joyful thing you've ever done in your life? And can you do that in such a way that you actually actively invite in divine ideas and divine inspiration and creativity. Because it will always be. See, prosperity works at the currency of divine ideas and divine creativity. When we get that that's the real currency, then everything else will start to fall in place. And divine ideas and divine creativity are drawn to a consciousness that is grateful and repelled by one that is not. And so in closing, I really want to encourage you to look with new eyes at your work and to cultivate, by choice, a deeper, richer experience of gratitude. God bless you.